Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. This evening I will talk about something that I believe is profound and I believe is in the mind of God for His children to come to realization of. And that is the fact that Every man who is in this world will always seek to prepare an inheritance for his children so that after he is gone, his children will, will come into the place of inheritance and would also come into the place of enjoying all that has been prepared and stored for the children and the next generation. Praise God. And I believe that there is no need for the victory of Jesus if we don't enjoy the victory. As a matter of fact, there is no need for the walk of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus if we cannot enjoy the victory. There is no need for it. I believe that Jesus came to die so that you and I will step into glory and into the place where he wants us to be. I believe that Jesus came, died, experienced the victory on the cross, not just for um, having a personal victory, but also to bring each and every one of us into the victory that he accomplished on the cross. Praise God. So, you and I as believers have come into inheritance. And this inheritance is not just abstract, but actually concrete. It's something that you can enjoy. And I believe that by the grace of God, we'll be open to all the possibilities and all the essence of the inheritance that has been prepared for you and I in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, you say a big amen. amen. I'll talk about this evening your inheritance in Christ. Your inheritance in Christ. And if you're putting your notes down, you can put it this way. My inheritance in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 to 20 Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 to 20 And I read to your hearing The eyes of your understanding being enlightened That you may know what is the hope of his calling And what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints I want us to read the scripture together Are you ready? Alright, put your eyes on the screen and let's all do it together. One to go. That the eyes of your understanding... No, you're going to personalize it. The eyes of my understanding. You're going to personalize it. Alright? It's a prayer. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Alright, let's go. One to go. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened that I may know what is the hope of His calling... What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance 
in the saints meaning that the inheritance is where the inheritance is after inheritance what's the next thing reduce the volume a bit the inheritance is what in the saints so the inheritance is in you look at the person who is by your side say the inheritance is in you alright now when we talk about inheritance inheritance can be seen in two scopes or in two lights the first light is um, the eternal side of inheritance or the eternal scope of inheritance that's the first one then the second one is inheritance um, that has to do with here and now so we enjoy inheritance in eternity and secondly we enjoy inheritance here and now meaning that the inheritance that is promised for you is not necessarily going to be after you're dead or after you're gone but that inheritance is meant to be enjoyed here and now look at your neighbor say here and now tell yourself here and now okay so that inheritance is meant for you to tap into now then also there is a promise of inheritance which comes um, in eternity all right we're going to look at these two sides of of inheritance the first one which is um, the eternal scope of inheritance titus chapter 3 verse 7 titus chapter 3 verse 7 Titus chapter 3 verse 7 I read to you hearing that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life now let me take it again having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life I want you to also do this scripture with me let's read it together now you're going to personalize it the way you did it first are you ready? Okay, so let's go. One to go. Having been justified by His grace, I should become heir according to the hope of eternal life. When the Bible says according to the hope of eternal life, it speaks of the fact that eternity um, brings to you inheritance, which is eternal life. So say after me, I have eternal life. Meaning that as a believer, you don't die. You just sleep. In fact, you move from glory to glory because it's called eternal life. And that's what you have that the unbelievers don't have. You know, um, the the first thing that you want to project when you're talking about Christianity is not how much Christianity is going to give you. Even though those things are byproduct of what happens when you become born again. But the first thing that happens to Christianity is eternal life that you have received. So say after me, say, I have received eternal life. I want to hear you say with me, say, I have received eternal life. Now, let me make this very clear, that when you have your mindset focused on eternity, it helps you to go through what you're going through now. Are you still here? So, when you are focused on what is ahead of you, the hope that is in front of you, you are able to stand strong in the trials and the difficulties of this present time. The Bible says having this hope, he who has this hope in himself purifies himself. He who has this hope in himself purifies himself. He who has this hope in himself purifies himself. Meaning that I will go through what I am meant to go through with grace and with faith in my heart because I believe that there is eternal life waiting for me. Do you get get what I'm saying? Alright, so when you understand that there is a hope 
after now, there is a hope to be enjoyed for eternity. Now, when we say these things, eternity, many of us don't really have an understanding of what eternity is because we haven't experienced it. We're in um, the period of time. And time, uh, time is or was after eternity. And eternity will be after time. Eternity, we are going to be with the Lord forever. Forever. When you think about this, it should give you joy. And when you know you're going to be with the Lord forever, you know that with Him, in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And at His right hands, there are pleasures forevermore. Am I correct? Now, when you know that you're going to be with Him forever, and you're not going to be um, in torment and in hell, and under judgment, and under pain, and under um, 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 sorrow that comes with unbelief. It gives you joy in the present. Are you still here? So many times, let me give you a very good example. If you were promised, um, you, don't, you don't have light in your house today, and you were promised that you would receive um, a 50 kVA generator, and it's all paid for with the diesel all met and everything settled, even though there is darkness now, it gives you the courage to face that darkness because of the promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? So because of that promise, you are able to go through what you're going through now. You know, you just tell yourself, Akan, I will take it now because I know tomorrow will be better. Are you getting what I'm saying? So eternity will be better than now. It's a hope that believers have. Pastor Ideal, do you understand what I'm saying? It's a hope that <laughs> it's a hope that believers have. It's a hope that we all share. Because when we think about it, when we have left this place today, how many of you have seen people cry when believers die? You know, that's okay because we feel the pain of separation, right? But the truth is where that person is is far better than where we are. In fact, if you are given a glimpse of where the person is, the person likely doesn't want to come back. Doesn't want to come back. Because of the glory. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. So I'm going to prepare a place for you. So our inheritance is actually real. It's not something that is, it's, it's not an idea. It's real. Tell your neighbor it's real. Tell the other person by your side, say it's real. So when you fix your mind on eternity you are courageous to go through what you're going through now so i came to speak to many of you whose hearts are failing in one thing or the other you must remember that god has given you a hope there is a hope here and now and beyond here and now there is a hope in eternity praise god do you remember when you were um 10 years old now how old are you you may be about 25 or you may be about 30 and 20 years just came and passed and that is the way it's going to be another 20 years will come and pass before you know it you're 50 before you know it you're 70 and if you don't fix your mind on eternity you begin to feel that life has come to an end because um Everything that I need to enjoy must be here. No, there is actually a better hope after this life. Are you still here? 
Alright. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. We've got to run now. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. <coughs> it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal. Somebody say eternal. Eternal weight of glory. Meaning that your affliction is working for you. <laughs> is working for you. Alright? Which is but for a moment. Is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, Paul calls the affliction that he went through light affliction. And the light affliction that Paul went through, if some of us go through that affliction, you feel rapture has come. And the truth is, Paul was in chains in, in, when he wrote the book of Philippians. He was in chains when he screamed with a loud voice, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was a man who was in chains. Remember when I told you about the glass ceilings and the brass ceilings? And I told you that um, the brass ceilings are, are like dungeons where people are kept on the ground and they are in prison and they do everything there they pull there they bait there they do everything there and they are locked up there and that's the same way Paul was Paul was in that kind of prison where he was on the ground and he was in chains where he screamed I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and when Paul the Bible says he was beaten in stripes so shall I commend myself in many stripings, in many beatings, in persecutions, in shipwreck, in slick bites. He says, should I talk about how I've, I've gone through stuff for the gospel? As a matter of fact, when, uh, when, when God called Paul um, and he was going to tell Ananias to uh, uh, lay his hand on Paul, he says, go and lay your hands on him because his eyes will be open and I will show him things that he has to suffer for me. So actually Paul really suffered for the sake of the gospel. But in all of these sufferings, do you know what he called it? Light affliction. You see, your perception is very important to your situation. If you do not define your situation correctly, like I told you the other day, I'm like, you, you must name it. You must name it. Life will always present things to you. And you have to name it correctly. Name it correctly. You're going through something. It is a light affliction. Somebody says small thing, small thing, small thing. Small thing, small thing. So it's a light affliction. But if you some of us, hey... I'm dead. I have died. No. Paul said light affliction. Somebody say light affliction. Tell your neighbor, say light affliction. He says this light affliction, which is but for what? Look at it, what does it say? Which is for what? Is it forever? Do you think God is not faithful to allow you um, um, go through this thing for a short while? Look, he can't give you what you can't bear. Are you still here? He can't give you more than you can handle. So the light affliction is for a moment. And I may not be able to define what a moment is. A moment to you might be two years. A moment to you might be five years. A moment to you might be one year. A moment to you might be one day. But a moment is a moment. It doesn't matter what moment you are. Call it a light affliction. Huh? Call it what? A light affliction. It says a light affliction which is but for a moment. Don't exaggerate your pain. Don't exaggerate it beyond measure. Don't, 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 don't. Jesus was on the cross and while he was on the cross, he cried out with a loud voice and he said, 
Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. He prayed for the people who killed him. And he prayed for them not while he went to the throne, but while he was on the cross. In fact, he forgave them while they were hurting him. Are you still here? He forgave them. So meaning, you know, many of us will say, I will come down first. And when I've come down, I will now talk, that's, that's when I'll, I'll have a conversation. You know? But the truth is, while he was in the most painful period of the crucifixion, he forgave them and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Praise God. Take me back to the scripture, please. It says, a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. A far more what? Somebody say, exceeding. I can hear you say, exceeding. Meaning that the glory that is in the future, the glory that is in eternity will exceed your pain now. If you don't see it, you will not endure the pain correctly. Why did you think Jesus who was on the cross was able to stay on the cross? The Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he did what? Despised the shame. So if you don't see the glory that is ahead, the eternal weight of glory ahead of you, you're going through pain and you will break. Says if you fail in the day of adversity, it's not because the adversity is strong, but because your strength is weak. And your strength is weak because you are not seen correctly. Look at your neighbor, say see correctly. correctly. Tell the other person by side, say see correctly. Now he says, and eternal weight of glory eternal weight of glory revelations chapter 21 verse 2 revelations the 21st chapter verse 2 it says then i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now every tear from your eyes has been wiped away today. If that's for you, you say big amen. Amen. Mm, you know, sometimes it takes pain for you to catch revelation. Huh? So when we're talking to people who are very comfortable, they don't need what you're saying. But when you're going through stuff, the most little word of God is a blessing to you. Do you understand? Have you been there before? Now I'm saying every, every tear in your eye, God will wipe away. Do you know what it means to cry? What it means to cry is not a joke. There are some times you, you, you just want to be free. You just want to, be, you just want to break free. Sometimes you, you, you just feel you're in, you're, you're, in fact, let me not go there. Let's just go straight to the word. It says, every tear will be wiped away, God will wipe away, sorry, every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. This is talking about eternal glory. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. How many of you are hoping for this day? Do you know there is, I'm going to teach you on, 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 on the crowns, on reward. There is actually a crown that is given to those who hope and are rejoicing in hope for the second coming of Jesus. There's actually a crown, special crown for that. There's actually a crown that is given for those who are waiting for the rejoicing or who are waiting rejoicingly for the coming of Jesus. 
So how many of you look forward to this day? Amen. Amen. You know, when we, when we talk about rapture, a lot of people think rapture is a time where God wants to catch somebody. When the person is not doing something nice. Oh yeah, blow. Blow, 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 blow. No, no, no. Like my friend, uh, Pastor Craig said, you know, that's not what... Rapture actually is to bring you into eternal weight of glory. That's what rapture is. So many times, think about where you're going to be after here, after now. Think about what you're going to enjoy. Praise God. Then the second dimension of inheritance is the scope of inheritance that talks about here and now. Here and now. I make you this vow. Hmm. Being a joint heir with Christ means that we are partakers of the inheritance here and now. Now, the Holy Spirit has been given to you as a proof of the fact that you have an inheritance later. But the Holy Spirit you have now is the beginning of your inheritance. Are you getting my point? Ephesians chapter 1, let me show you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with what? Huh? You were what? Let's take it again. Say, I was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me see verse 14. Right? Who is what? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is what? The guarantee. Somebody said the guarantee. Please, who can explain to me what a guarantee is? Huh? Insurance, right? Alright? So, the guarantee is the insurance. I want, I think I want to see uh, um, Amplified. Let me see the Amplified version. I, I'm, I'm curious to know what Amplified version has to say. <laughs> eh. Aha. That spirit, let's start from verse 13, sorry. Let's start from verse 13. It says, In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, which is the gospel, of your salvation and have believed in and adhered to and relied on him you were stamped do you understand with the seal of the long promised Holy Spirit meaning that your dispensation is the most blessed dispensation of humanity why do I say so because you are Part of the dispensation that is witnessing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Elijah didn't have it. Am I correct? Yes. David didn't have it. Um, every person who was of the old covenant didn't have it. All they had or all they experienced was the Spirit of God come upon them. But the Spirit of God was never in them. And that's why in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 it says, I'm going to reveal to you a great mystery which was hidden from the foundation of the world. And what is that mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Are you getting it? The Holy Spirit in you, which is the hope of future glory. Because that Holy Spirit is the beginning of the stamping of your inheritance. Meaning that if Jesus is going to come back, 
on his second coming, he will look for those who have the Holy Spirit before he selects those who he's going to take away. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not for him. But because you have the Holy Spirit, you are part of the people that he's going to take up with him. You remember the story when I, I, I gave you the analogy of the woman who went to the market and she bought yam, but she has many other things to buy. She has goat to buy, chicken to buy, um, put potato to buy, <laughs> and she has many other things to buy. So when she buys the yam, and then she's going to buy the goat, she's going to buy the chicken, because she can't carry everything, she will mark the yam with a red mark, a red marker, or a blue marker, and keep it with the person who is selling and she has paid for it the proof of the fact that she has paid is the mark am I correct? so she now goes to buy her goat by the, there was a day I was going to Okada my goodness I was in a, I was in a cab from Benin to Okada that cab had everything goat, chicken egg bread yam gari there were only two of us in the cab, but they were the, the products of the fruit of the ground everywhere in the car. Everywhere in the car. You know, so at some point when the heat of the car is much, the goat can't take it again. <laughs> at some point when the chicken can't take it, you will see the chicken, she will cry out. You know, so I started telling myself, maybe I should also cry out. <laughs> So like I was telling you, the woman who has bought the yam will mark the yam. Am I correct? And then will go to buy other things. Now when she has bought other things, she's coming back to the seller of the yam. And the way she would identify her yam is by the mark. And that is what the Bible is calling the seal. So there is a long time promise on you. And the long term and time promise on you began when you became born again. And that promise will keep on being fulfilled and will get fulfilled even after Jesus comes. And do you get what I'm saying? So, the Holy Spirit is the seal. He's called the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what he's called. I've taught you before that the coming of the Holy Spirit is a proof of the fact that Jesus died and resurrected. Do you remember that message? Because if Jesus didn't um, um, resurrect from the grave, the Holy Spirit would not have come. So the coming of the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of the fact that you were justified. Are you getting what I'm saying? Alright. Now, apart from that, going forward, the Spirit of God in you is also a proof of the fact that you have an inheritance attached to your name. That's what it is. Because he is called the Holy Spirit of promise. So let's keep reading. In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, the gospel of your salvation, and believe uh, in, in and adhered to and relied on him, were stamped with the seal of the long promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14. That spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The first fruits, the pledge and foretaste. Are you seeing that? The down payment of our heritage in anticipation of its full redemption 
and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is just the beginning. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is much more beyond this. Hallelujah. Alright. How many of you believe that you have the Holy Spirit? You believe that you have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in you. Do you know the problem many of us have? We want to feel the Holy Spirit. Whether you feel Him or you don't feel Him, He's there. Are you getting my point? There are some times you feel it. There are some times you don't feel it. Is it every time you are feeling your cloth on top of your skin? Talk to me. Is it every time you are conscious of it? Sometimes you forget you are even wearing cloth. Because the cloth has become a part of you. Are you getting my point? The Holy Spirit has become a part of you. And the fact that you don't feel Him all the time does not mean He's not there. Some of us, until you see goosebumps, Holy Spirit has not come. Father, come down. Come down. Come down to where? The one He came down before, 2,000 years ago. Do you, you want Him to go down to the cross of the earth? Are you getting my point? He's already there. Many of us are looking for evidence. See the way you're looking at me as if I'm saying something new to you. Am I saying something new to you? Then why are you looking at me like a mango tree? You understand? The problem is, many of us don't know that the Spirit of God is there. Is there. Even in your greatest flaws and mistakes, is there. The Holy Spirit will not leave you alone. It's impossible. See, there is nothing you do that will drive the Holy Spirit away from you. I just said gospel. There is nothing you do that will drive the Holy Spirit. Do you know what Paul said? Paul said, Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. He was talking about people who were fornicating. Christians. And he, after he heard about it, he came back and was rebuking them. He says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the Spirit of God dwells in you. He didn't say, don't you know your body was the temple of the Holy Spirit? He said, don't you know your body is? Meaning that the Spirit of God is still there. Okay. So, there is nothing you do, as long as you are a believer, that can separate the presence and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit from you. You know that song David sang? Take not that Holy Spirit from me. Restored. That was the old covenant, not now. That's not your song now. See, take not your spirit from me. The spirit of God came and could leave. Because he came upon them. But now, the spirit of God is in you. In fact, the spirit of God is in you, not because of you. The Spirit of God is in you, not because of you, but because of Christ. Yes, that. Because of Jesus. He's in you. And He's working, you know, the Bible says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Pastor Phil, the Bible says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. But they don't read the next scripture. For it is God who walks out both to will and to do. You are not even the one doing it. Are you getting my point? So some of us who feel, oh, the presence of God has left me. I need to bring him back. You are in error. 
You are, in, you are you don't fall from grace. You are in error. Stay in grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? Stay in grace. You wake up one morning. I don't wake up high all the time. Yeah. There are sometimes I wake up and I feel ordinary. But I tell myself I'm not ordinary. Mm. I'm not ordinary. So the fact that I don't feel goosebumps or I don't feel who <laughs> or does not mean that the Holy Spirit is not in me. I don't have to feel it. I need to know it. Praise God. Look at your neighbor say, He's in you. Tell the other person by your side, He's there. He's the guarantee. Do you know what a guarantee is? God, the Holy Spirit is the most sure asset of God. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is the most certain personality of the new creation. That even if this guy fails, the spirit in him will not fail. That's what he's saying. Because the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance. So even if you are not doing well, the spirit of God is in you. He will make you do well. Don't ignore him in there. Don't ignore him in there. So many of us are suffering from um, guilt. You're suffering from, uh, you know, you, you feel that uh, you don't carry much presence. Oh, I like the way this person carries the anointing. When Pastor Sass puts his waistcoat on and he walks with his pointed shoes, there's a way he commands the presence of God. I was in Okada and I was wearing a t-shirt. I was wearing a face cap. No, I still had my head of blessed memory on. (laughs) I still had my hair on and it was scattered because I was going to the laundry guy who was um, way, way, way out of school then. And what happened? I walked into the the guy's shop and he collected my clothes with reverence and I looked at him I said to myself this guy must know me that I'm a pastor in school for him to do this but funny enough that morning I didn't feel anything I didn't feel like I was anointed or I didn't feel like I was I wasn't preparing for any message where I had to tag him (laughs) in God's presence you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like that. I just, I just woke up in the morning, did one or two flimsy worship songs. Lord, you are worthy. I took my clothes, went to... Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And the guy said, immediately I came to his shop. He saw something come with me. He took my clothes. He said, sir, you, I don't know who you are, but you don't have to pay. Every time you want to dry clean your clothes... Bring it here. I'll do it for you free of charge. This guy did not know I was a pastor. I I was not wearing tie. See, you don't have to feel it. Sometimes what you don't see, people else sees it. Are you getting what I'm saying? The presence of God is with you. It's with you. It's there. So don't, don't feel that you don't carry his presence. Amen. Before I... I'm just going to run some things... What are the 
uh, what are the current inheritance um, in, uh, inheritance of blessing that you enjoy now before eternity? The first one is forgiveness of sin and freedom from guilt. Forgiveness of sin and freedom from guilt. It is a blessing. It's something that we inherit. We enjoy this. Knowing that we have been forgiven. Praise God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. What does it say? It says, there is therefore now, what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. It says, there is therefore now no what? Condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit. The original translation actually says that, this part, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, was added because they did not believe that the Bible just said there is therefore now no condemnation. There is, they're like, is, is that just it? Is that just all about it? There is something more to it. But look, in the wisdom of God, still, when you interpret the scripture, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those of you who are walking according to the spirit are those of you who are walking according to faith. And walking according to the flesh is walking according to a mindset that judges yourself by the flesh. Did you get that? Did you get that? So that's what it means. So say after me, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because I do not walk according to the flesh, but I walk according to the spirit. Look, many of us know that we, we, are, we need to know that we are forgiven. And there is no condemnation. It's part of your inheritance here. You think the sinner out there doesn't know he's a sinner? He knows. Why? Because the Bible says the spirit of God will convict the world of sin. In fact, the Spirit of God is already convicting the unbeliever that he's a sinner, he's a sinner. And he knows he's a sinner. But the believer, the Spirit of God will never convict the believer of sin. Anything that tells you that you are a sinner as a Christian or as a believer is never the Spirit of God. Can I say that again? Anything that tells you you are a sinner and you are less than who Christ is, is not the Spirit of God. It is either you who is giving Satan permission to condemn you when he has no evidence. You remember when I told you that Satan brings accusations and he presents those accusations and the Bible says the person whom <laughs> the person whom Satan is presenting the accusation to is not just a judge but he's your father. If your father is your judge What do you think will happen? If the lawyer is representing you and is standing for you, apart from representing you, standing for you, he's also the person who is as you. I don't know if you got the point. So, Satan is presenting your flaws before your father but on a wrong premise. Because the standard of that, of that um, judgment is meant to be Satan presenting what Jesus did against God. 
And Satan cannot present what Jesus did against God. Why? Because there's no evidence. So when God looks at you, there is no evidence left for Satan to hold on to. Even though you did it, but in God's eye, you did not do it. Why? Because Jesus did not do it. Am I making sense to you? So if your lawyer, your advocate, is your friend, the judge is your father, the enemy is the accuser, are you not already on the winning side? No, think about it. Are you not on the winning side already? Say after me, say I'm on the winning side. Many of us don't know that we are forgiving. You don't know. It's, it's inheritance. It's part of your inheritance that you're forgiven. You, you just keep going about feeling that there is one sin in your life that has stopped the blessings of God. You are still before the cross. You are not yet on standpoint. So, come to standpoint. You know what standpoint means? Seeing things from the perspective of after the cross. That's what standpoint is. So, nothing can stop the blessings of God and the favor of God upon your life. Not anything that you do. And it is because of this love and this understanding we have that we are motivated to do the right things. Not because there is a law that says do not do it. But because we know we have been given a privilege and we have been given right standing with God by grace. We know that Lord, I want to please you because I want to. Second thing is there is divine health and healing. It's, It's your inheritance. Divine health and healing is your inheritance. Matthew chapter 8 verse 17. There is divine health and healing. It's your inheritance. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and what bore our sickness. If he took your infirmities, you don't have it. Can I say that again? If he, say after me, say he took my infirmities. You know the problem with church people? Church people don't like to put themselves in the picture, but put other people in the picture. It's a big problem when a pastor is teaching in church, and that's the reason why some will produce 30%, some will produce 60%, and some will produce 100%. The ones who are producing 100% are the ones who are seeing themselves in the world. The one who is producing 30%, he's seen himself, but he's seen this other person more. No, no, that word is for him. That word is for him. He fits, he fits Pastor Phil. Be there, be, be there wishing for me. Don't be wishing for yourself. See yourself in the word. He said he took your infirmity. He's not just talking only about Kenneth Hagin. He's not just talking only about Catherine Kumar. He's not just talking only about popular names you know. Your, your headache. Oh, Pastor Phil, I feel headache. My stomach is spinning. My leg is spinning. That's the one he took. Are you getting my point? personalized and say he took my infirmity and don't 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 help don't 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 disadvantage yourself and assume the word is not for you but for someone else say the word is for me thank you the word is for me he took my infirmities he took my infirmities if he took it you don't have it 
And if he took it, he can't come back to you. He can't. He can't come back to you. So if you are sick and you are saying, Oh, Pastor Phil, how about the word says he took my infirmity and I'm sick? What's the meaning of that? You see, the problem again with church people is that they like to challenge the word of God with their experience instead of challenging their experience with the word of God. He says, you are, you are spiritual beings going through earthly experiences. You are not a human being going through spiritual experiences. No. You are first of all a spirit being. You are seated in Christ. Position is settled first. And then you are going through human experiences. So whatever happens to you doesn't mean the word is not true. You hear that, oh, one great man of God died cheaply. Or something happened to one great woman of God. And you begin to lose faith. Oh, if that thing can happen to him, then it can happen to me. You know, when, when the Archbishop Idahosa died, a lot of people's faith shook. Because people felt that if God could take Archbishop Benson Idahosa, who raised people from the dead, mass resurrection. Have I told you the story before? Where electric pole fell upon um, some people and in his crusade, where hundreds of thousands of people were gathered and they all died, about 13 of them died. And when he heard it, he said, What? In my crusade? No, take me there. Abishol was a very bold man. He was tall, huge, bold. He had, he had one kind of courage. And when they took him to where those dead people were, Millie walked into the room, started clapping. All right, no more sleeping. Get up, wake up. Each of them stood up. It's not story. It happened. Each of them rose up. Thirteen of them alive. They were confirmed dead. It's not a joke. Archbishop Idaosa was a man of faith. He's a man of faith. He called for people who were crippled and rain started falling. So many of the people who, who were in front ran to the cover, to the stage. And when they ran to take cover under the canopy, because the stage had a covering, so they ran to uh, take cover under. He told the crippled people to stay afar, like from this, the distance between like here and the wall. And he lined them up and told them, each of you, come and meet me where I am. And the first one struggled, stood up from his wheelchair, walked from his wheelchair to the altar. Second one saw the faith that the first one exhibited. Faith came up in him, stood up. Third one, like that. They all started standing up. The last one was still struggling. Still struggling. He would try, he would sit down and fall. He would try, he would fall. Archbishop came down. Came down, looked at him. Pastor Paul is scared. As <laughs> 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 uh, you okay, I do. <laughs> no, I did is a married man. Give him that respect. He looked at the, the last guy because you are the last guy here. Now. You know what I did? Ah! Your mates are standing up. You, you are here sitting down. Come here and meet me. The guy stood up, came to meet him. That's called constructive slap. 
sent forth his word. <laughs> and his word raised. So when people heard that he died, a lot of people's faith shook. You know, saying, if this man, you know, a lot of rumors came two days after, oh, he rose up again. He rose up again. He's back to life. People adore. He was the epitome of faith. They called him head of faith. And if you are a far of you, you think they're saying head of state. He was, he was just making a joke one day and somebody asked him, what is power? He said, you want to know what power is? Give me a minute. Just made a few phone calls. On that few minutes, if you see the siren that came and surrounded him, the head of state then came, knelt down and said, my Lord Bishop, what do you want me to do, sir? You all know him. Then he now told the guy, this is power. That's Archbishop for you. He walked in everywhere. He was the instrument of what they call the apostolic effect of his generation. He was that person who got sent to not just his denomination, but to the body of Christ. He wasn't interested. When he came to our church in Kano, he... He came to our church as if our church was the only church in Kano, even though CGM was in Kano. Normally when you invite a guest minister, you're supposed to bless the man or the woman with honorarium and say thank you for coming. But when Archbishop goes to your church, instead he'll be the one to give you money. Somebody hit him. He's driving one day, the driver. Someone hit his car behind. He came down, looked at the car. Badly dented. The other guy's car, badly dented. Counted money. Gave the guy, go and repair your car. Gave the driver, you repair my own car. Let's go. That's the kind of man he was. So when he died, people's faith shook. But you see, the truth is, people's experiences should not be your focus of your hope. Shouldn't be. The word of God is your focus of your hope. The fact that your friend is having some struggles doesn't mean you should also struggle. Alright, let me move on. I'm closing. I've said that like three times. Number three, you have freedom from poverty. It's your inheritance. Freedom from poverty is your inheritance. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says, For you know the grace of God. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor that through his poverty huh, you might become rich. It's an inheritance. So believers are meant to be rich. Amen. I took that word for myself. I don't know about you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You guys were sleeping when I said it. You know. Number four. You're partakers of his divine nature. You're partakers of his divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Number what now? 5. He has given you all things for life and godliness. Number 5. He has given you all things for life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. He has given you all things for life and godliness. I want us to read the scripture together, please. Just do me this favor. One to go. As his divine power has given... No, to me. To me. Are you ready? 
Alright, let's go. One to go. As His divine power has given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Look, everything to chop life has been given to you. It's not a joke. You have it in there. Everything to enjoy life has been given to you. And that is one side. Everything to be godly has been given to you. That is the second side. Are you getting my point? A lot of people who enjoy the first side, you know, they enjoy life, but they don't know what it means, the peace to be godly. They're not even confident about it because they don't, they don't see why they should announce that I'm godly. But he has given you all things that pertains to life and to godliness. So that in the midst of your swag, in the midst of your, your style, in the midst of your front, your... Do you get what I'm saying? You are still on the top of your game even as a godly person. Why? Because he has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. You're not, you're not blessed and hiding to be godly. That's not the kind of blessing he has given you. Your blessing is a type that you'll be confident to say, I love Jesus. Are you getting my point? You are bold about it. God is blessing your business, in your, in your career, in whatever you're doing. And you are still bold about declaring Jesus there. Any blessing that you receive and you can't proclaim Jesus, that's the wrong thing, man. It's the wrong thing. But anything that you do and you can boldly proclaim Jesus from that thing, that's a good thing. Amen. Okay. He's given you divine guidance. Romans chapter 8 verse 14, divine guidance. Say after me, say, I have divine guidance. Right? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Then also he has given you abundance of grace for every good work. He has given you abundance of grace for every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. He has given you abundance of grace for every good work. For as many as are led... No, no, no. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. Is this for you? It means that there is nothing you are doing at the moment that you don't have sufficiency for. You can do it. Say after me, say I can handle it. Because I have all grace. Yes. It's not, it's not a joke. It's not, I'm someone who believes that if I put my mind to do anything, I would do it well. I've always been like that as a child. I told myself that if I want to do something, I will do it well. I will master it and I will become the best in what I do. And you must think like that on yourself. So you must tell yourself, I have, I have the anointing for all grace dimension. You will see this side of you today and the other side of you will come. And people will be wondering, when did you learn how to do this? It's all grace. It's all grace. Hallelujah. Many of us here are very potential. You don't know you're going to be a good mother. By the time your children begin to come and you see the way, people see the way you're taking care of your kids, they will wonder, what did your mom teach you? It's beyond what she taught you. It's all grace. 
You just learned how to cook yesterday. But your food today is better than people who have been cooking for years. Oh, grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? You just, you just uh, learned how to drive. And, and before you know it, someone blessed you with a car. That's prophecy for someone. Someone blessed you with a car. And before you know it, you're driving well. Don't be too spooky. I'm talking about small, small things that you naturally won't do well fast. But you just begin to do it well. Quickly. It's all grace. You were not the ah, like Pastor Osas. And you didn't think you could pray. But you went into your closet and you began to pray. One hour passed, two hours passed, three hours passed, and you started enjoying fellowship. It's all grace. You opened the word. You didn't grow up with the word like other people did. You didn't grow up with the word. But somehow, lately, you just open the word and things begin to flow. The spirit of God begins to just hit you with words. It's all grace. And they told you, you are this kind of person that, uh, you know, you don't have patience for people. I don't have patience for people. I say it the way it is. If you don't like me, you don't like me. And you don't like me because I say the truth. Have you heard people like that? And I say it because I want to say the truth. And if you don't like me, you don't like me. And people who can't stand me are people who can't stand truth. Be there. You see the way I'm switching at But all of a sudden, things changed and you become so accommodating. And people are wondering, when did he change? It's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. You become patient. You become kind. You become loving. It's all grace. It's all grace. I wasn't always like this. But I told you that the best way to define yourself is to keep looking at Christ. Christ is the one who has all grace. Say, God has given you all grace. Amen. Amen. You know, for those of us who like to say the truth and not forget what the other balance of the Bible says, it says, speak the truth, but in love. So, you can't, you can't separate it. You can't separate it. Amen. If he wants to give me sign. Come now, come, come, come. Love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Write that one down. Love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, verse 17. Love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Love fills your heart today. I know you're writing and you can't see me while I stretch my hands. Love fills your heart today. Peace fills your heart today. You already have righteousness. Yeah, you do. All grace. Glory to God. Write this one down. Power and anointing in the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That's, that's your inheritance. Power and anointing in the Holy Ghost. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How many of you believe that you've received power? So say that when you say I've received power. And I am a witness. 
What is a witness? So you just said something you are not even thinking. What's a witness? Someone who Someone who saw. Thank you. Someone who experienced something. Am I correct? And then, for because the person experienced something, he's going to give a testimony of his experience. Are you getting my point? Now, you are a witness when you can bring back the experience of the cross in front of people. Did you get that? Did you get that? If I look at the sick and I lay my hands on the sick, I just became a witness. And the sick became healed. I just told you what happened on the resurrection. If I speak to something and the thing changes, I just became a witness. So look, the Holy Spirit on you or in you is not for talk. The kingdom of God is not just in word, but in what? Power. So righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And then it says, you have received power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So say after me, say, Heavenly Father, I rejoice because I walk in inheritance. No more fear, no more shame. Every shame, fear is gone. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now I speak this over you. The Bible says he has not given you the spirit of fear, but he has given you the spirit of love and of a sound mind you have a sound mind yes you do have a sound mind lay your hands on your neighbor and just begin to prophesy you've got a sound mind you've got a sound mind this concludes this message thank you for listening and for more information about the standpoint church visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj twitter.com slash standpointabj instagram.com slash standpointabj and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj